0: I know you know this, hmm? but Sunday is my birthday. Heck yes. And yesterday in the mail, I got a psychtastic birthday present. <laughs> Who from, I wonder? Um, <laughs> maybe from the co host of To the Blueberry! <laughs> to the Blueberry! <laughs> Kay sent me this really cool shirt that says The Blueberry, and it's got the Blueberry on it. I've got a keychain that said, I've heard it both ways. <laughs> And then a bunch of super fun psych stickers and a very classic psych card to go along with it.
1: I'm very sorry about that card. I had to like cut it down to box size. (laughs) Oh no, I loved it.
0: It was perfect. (laughs) I laughed my butt off when I got it all. And I was a little afraid that my husband had bought me psych stuff for my birthday. And my name wasn't on it when I got it. So I opened it and I was like, is this for me? Is this from my husband for my birthday? Should I not be looking at this? And then I saw the card and I was like, nope, nope. Nope. You got it right on time. (laughs) I did.
1: So I put it on today to show off my blueberry pride. I'm very proud of how fast things have been getting to people. Yeah. Yeah, because I sent a Father's Day thing. I was like, I don't know how long this will take. And they got it, like, yesterday. (laughs) Oh, I love that. But yes, and blueberries come up in this episode. They do. They do indeed. Oh my gosh. I was like, should that be the fruit of the episode? Because honestly, again having trouble <laughs> i think i found it okay okay i'll be so interested we'll get
0: there but we should probably record the episode
1: yeah we should probably get it started <laughs> showtime
0: uh, thank you for joining us this is
1: to the, to the movie! blueberry
0: This is a Psych Rewatch podcast with real-life best friends. I'm Alexis, and I am a Gus. And I'm Kaylee, and I am the Sean. (laughs) And not only did Kaylee send me a birthday present this week, but it was titled, To Alexis My Magic Head, which is in this episode. Yay! So we'll start. This is Season 1, Episode 8 and the episode title is Sean versus the Red Phantom. Ooh, now, great. Right off the bat. Name. Is that a pop culture reference?
1: I don't think so. They came close on their superhero names and their comic book names in this, but they managed I think to avoid the real ones. I wasn't sure so I figured I would ask. I mean, if it is, I completely do not know that one.
0: But I felt like there were a lot of like bits and pop culture references in this episode, so yeah. I'm pretty excited to go over them.
1: I'm very very excited. But we start out as we so often do with our flashback to 1986. Flashback. And to
0: the days when the nights were young.
1: <laughs> we just have baby Sean with like a red towel that is the reddest towel i've ever seen just tied around his neck and he's running down the beach faster than a speeding bullet and as soon as he gets into his yard and he sees his dad his like little face falls and you're like oh no like henry's such a (laughs) buzzkill
0: henry has comic books in his hand and he said sean where did you get these
1: did you get them from gus sean says nothing right nothing
0: to which henry responds at least you're not a tattletale
1: Because snitches get what? Stitches? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You said that like a question, like you weren't right.
0: (laughs) Uh, Maybe? Okay.
1: In our other favorite podcast, Snitches Get Cookies. So, I mean, you know, either way.
0: That's true. That's true. (laughs) I should have used that one instead. (laughs) Henry said that the superhero comic book things set really bad examples. He makes a point to show that it makes policemen look
1: dumb. And he says and that the guys in capes in real life are on angel dust. <laughs>
0: <laughs> real heroes don't wear capes and they don't wear underwear on the outside. And when he said that, I was like, this is so Edna from The Incredibles. Oh, No capes.
1: No capes. I mean, he's not coming from an aesthetic place, but I see it. I do. Yeah. It's a big copaganda moment. He's like, if you want to be a hero, become a police officer, save the day. And I'm like, look, we get that you're in it for the right reasons, Henry. We get that the people in the show are in it for the right reasons. Well, you know, Lasseter sometimes. But dude, calm the heck down. This propagandas a lot right now.
0: <laughs> but after he gets finished kind of talking to Sean about if Sean wants to be a hero, he should become a cop. He leans over and he kisses Sean on the side of the head. Mm. And I think this is the first moment that we actually see physical affection between Henry and Sean.
1: And I just, I love that he's gotten time with this kid. We've had the same little Sean for a while now. And you can see that Corbin and this kid are like building this great rapport. And he's such a hard ass, but he like, I can see the soft boyness of it. And I Mm -hmm. love when that comes out more.
0: Can we take a total sidebar before we go to our next scene? Please. Today is flag day. I don't know
1: if you know that or not. I do because someone at work was swathed in American flag regalia. (laughs) Her dress, her Crocs, her sunglasses that she was wearing on her head. There was something else that I can't even remember right now. But yeah, she informed us all that it is flag day. That's amazing. (laughs) I
0: don't know if you ever watched Hey Arnold. Yes. But I think it's the second part of the very first episode. And Eugene, who was the little nerdy guy, rides into school on a brand new bike. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, what an awesome bike. And Eugene goes, thanks, it's Flag Day and my family exchanges gifts.
1: Oh my, I don't remember this at all. So
0: the reason I know this is because every year on Flag Day... My mother and I call or text one another some sort of reference to Happy Flag Day and Eugene. And today I sent her a actual gif of Eugene with his bike and the line like, this is the best bike ever. And I was just like, this is a weird tradition that my mother and I have, but it makes me very, very happy.
1: I'm so happy for you. Yeah. <laughs> that was Pop yeah. Culture Corner with a uh, former Keller.
0: <laughs> da, da, da. We transition out of our flashback. And into the SBPD, where Juliet picks up the phone, and it's a call from Sean.
1: Well, Juliet is rubbing her own shoulders and, like, acts like she wants to stretch out her own neck. She's looking very tense, overworked. And then, yeah, Sean says as much.
0: Yeah, Sean gives her all kinds of advice on how to relieve the tension in her neck.
1: He wants to give her a hot oil massage.
0: (laughs) And she's just like, how can you see me? Where are you at?
1: (laughs) He's like, wait, I wrote torture. He's he's really drawing it out. Oh, yeah. Juliet is
0: trying to figure out where Sean is. And Juliet finally just said something like, tell me where you're at. And Sean said, do you really want to know? And Juliet said, I don't ask questions I don't want to know the answer to. Sean, then never ask your boyfriend if he thinks your sister's hot. Juliet, I don't have a sister. Sean. How about a boyfriend?
1: <laughs> Love it. It's picking up steam. And Juliet, Juliet doesn't answer that question. No. Oh, she most obviously does not.
0: It's kind of beautiful, but sorry, I had to get that whole thing out there. Go ahead.
1: How does this start? It's like, he's like, oh, yeah, I know the chief is out on this thing and and Lassiter's with her and blah, blah, blah. And
0: yes. Yeah. And then Juliet said, how do you know that? And Sean said, well, it's mostly in her day planner. <laughs> and it's because sean is in chief vic's office
1: and he says nobody ever looks in here what are you guys so <laughs> afraid of <laughs> he's sitting in her chair reading her day planner nobody's gazed into the big open glass doors juliette
0: said you have five seconds to get out of that off wait a second and then walks in and throws a notebook at him
1: tell me what you think of this well, that's what she says to him. But. Oh, okay. I
0: was like, what, what do I need to tell you about, Kaylee?
1: <laughs> no. And he's also pointing out that he loves Chief's chair, which it looks like a different chair to me, but it still looks really fun. So I'm glad he's enjoying. Apparently there's an 18-year-old boy who's missing. He's a very nerdy type of dude, he, and he's 18, and he's only been missing 24 hours. So Jewel says her hands are tied, and she's got a worried mother on her hands, but they can't report him missing officially, Because it's only been 24 hours. To which I say, bullshit. Missing is missing. I was about
0: to go, dumb.
1: Yeah. And these are completely arbitrary. Like, if anyone listens to this really super fun podcast called Obsessed with Disappeared, where they rewatch episodes of Disappeared on the ID channel, it's arbitrary. Like, across county lines, across state lines, there's no hard and fast rule especially when it comes to like adults let alone children nobody has to be missing for any amount of time if they aren't where they're supposed to be and you know them well enough to know that and your hairs are standing up on the back of your head demand it annoy people like someone's missing and so I'm glad that Juliet is shown like working this outside the system with Sean because she's like I want to do more I took this oath and it made sense at the time and now these regulations are making no sense because I've got a worried mother looking me in the eye going, my son is missing, you know? When Sean
0: gets the notebook with all of this information on it, the first thing he points out are the doodles on the notebook. And he looked at one of the pictures and said, and this horse looks nothing like my little pony. And Juliet goes, it's a dog. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's our first pop culture reference. My Little Pony is for ah. sure a pop culture reference. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure.
0: And then just to give some insight, the missing 18-year-old's name is Malone Brayfogle.
1: Wow. Wow.
0: Malone Brayfogle. They're doing Fogel. so
1: much with names in this episode. We're just going to keep <laughs> going with it. But yeah. so far, we've got Malone Brayfogle. She can't hire him to do the work because she can't pay him, but
0: she said that if they do start the case, she'll make sure that Sean ends up on it, and Sean does something along the lines of, I'm sure we can work out some sort of services exchange. See, I like to do a little sketching myself, and sometimes I need a model. Is that a Titanic reference? I was gonna
1: say, he totally wants to draw her like one of his French girls. So... I'll make the Titanic reference because they weren't blatant enough, but yes. Uh, I don't know. It was pretty close. I like it. <laughs> and smash cut, our next scene, it's a walk and talk with Gus. And he's, uh, Sean has roped Gus into this and Gus is like, so let me get this straight. We're not actually hired. We're not actually getting paid. And we're heading to this missing boy's house to talk to his mom anyway. And yeah, Sean's a total simp for Juliet, but we love yep. it. They walk up and she invites them in like she's expecting them and she's happy to have the help. And she's like, can I get you boys anything? Suddenly she's making them pancakes.
0: (laughs) Gus goes, I can't believe you asked her to make us pancakes. Sean said, she offered Gus and besides baking helps relax her. Or like helps her cope. That's it, helps her cope. And Gus is like, how how do you know that? (laughs) (laughs) That's it. She ends up screaming about Syrup, and that's when Sean said something along the lines of,
1: "Oh, she says, do you need your syrup warmed up? Yeah, it's
0: okay with me, but Gus really likes his warm. So it's a yes. (laughs) Gus gets really offended because it's Sean who won't eat cold syrup.
1: But I'm working you into the conversation, man. (laughs) Now she knows your name. (laughs) I was like coping by cooking. That tracks, and it's not (laughs) because she's a woman. It's just it's a very zening thing. It's a thing, yeah. Yeah. So even though the pancakes are delicious, Sean says, I need to see his room.
0: Mom pointed out that there were some things that were going on. Malone was acting strange. He turned down an internship that he worked really, really hard to get, and he rarely leaves his room. Even his best friends, Rob and Don, barely get to see him. They end up in his room, and Sean notices, like, some dust on his bed from Mm -hmm. the light fixture. I like to call them ceiling chrome. That is a good word. Yeah. <laughs> I have to ask the question though, why is this 18 year old man sleeping on a mattress on a floor?
1: Oh, is that what that was? Yeah. I mean, I can understand if it's just like a mattress on a box spring on a floor. Like for a long time, it was hard to get like a low bed. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Some people just don't like a high bed, I guess, but... If his mom is letting him run his own room, like his own space, I guess it's just going to be all effed up because he's a stupid 18 year old boy. (laughs) Like I saw it and I was like, who sleeps on a mattress
0: on the floor? And then I was like, oh, wait a second. I did that for two and a half years when I was 22 years old. Oh, did you now? I did. I moved back into my parents' house after college and my mattress was so uncomfortable I, I didn't steal a mattress from the residence hall that I lived in. They were getting rid of the mattress and I took it instead. okay. And so I brought it home with me and I put it on the floor and slept on it because it was so much more comfortable than the bed that I had been sleeping in in my parents' house.
1: Reduce, reuse, recycle, babe. <laughs>
0: yeah, I ended up taking it back to that same residence hall. And I bet you any money there is still an RA in that residence hall sleeping on that mattress.
1: Needs must, I guess. (laughs) It's very
0: comfortable. Um, But yeah, it was me, but it's still kind of (laughs) weird.
1: You can relate. So Sean notices the ceiling crumbs and he's like, something's up with this light. It's like a recessed light. He's like, I sense we will find a clue in this light. And he pushes this light in after, you know, some theatrics with the light switch and whatnot. And he just makes it rain. Just like, oh.
0: But you skipped another pub culture reference. What did I skip? I was getting them this time. All right. I, last night I was determined and I got them all. So when he's standing on the mattress, because the light was right above the mattress where the dust was. Yeah. And he goes, this is, this is good. This is nice. The mom and Gus were like, what? And he said, this mattress, it feels like one of those mattresses where you can bounce a bowling ball and the glass of wine won't spill. And that's a reference to the temperpedic commercials from, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, where they would put a glass of wine on the bed and then they'd drop a bowling ball. They super would. He asks Gus to go get him a bowling ball and a glass of wine. And Gus just goes and looks at him. Okay, but yes, they find lots of money in the light fixture.
1: Makes it rain! <laughs> <laughs> and after that, we get our credits. We're on another walk and talk. Yeah, we're leaving the house now, and they're like, what? What just happened? What is this kid into? It's got to be something shady. He was keeping secrets. Somebody wanted to hurt him over it or made him get all scared and disappear.
0: Maybe it was a lemonade stand. That is, if instead of lemons, he was using heroin.
1: Whew. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it looks like with that amount of money, with a young kid acting shady, you're like, what is this, drugs? What are you into? So Sean says, if we find his friends, we find him. Computer camp. Are you kidding me? They've got a friend with all this cash. They're going somewhere. They want to burn it. It's like, we got to think it over. And it's Gus who comes in with the no. He's like, you mean you don't already know where he is? <laughs> and he's so And smart. then Gus
0: just laughs and gloats for a really long time.
1: But Sean gets him to give up the goods. Like, what do you know that I don't know?
0: Gus is super gloating. And then finally he said, Tricon. And then Sean's like, oh, that's actually a really good idea. Let's confirm, then go. And then Gus is like, "Confirm." oh, I'm sure he's there. There's no doubt. And it's because Gus had taken directions to Tricon out of the kid's wastebasket. Gus wins. He wins. Yeah, this is a Gus episode for sure.
1: (laughs) Then we cut to Lassie and Chief Vic in a car and Lassie is making slightly awkward conversation and he's like trying to like get back buddy buddy with the Chief. They're having to spend some time together.
0: He's sucking up very badly.
1: Yeah, very badly. And then <laughs> and then Chief starts going, Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, I love you too, sweetie. And he's like, Wait, what? And <laughs> it turns out, oh, my favorite awkward moment. I've had so many of these myself in the past when these were a thing. She's got a little Bluetooth earpiece and she's been talking to her husband and not heard an awkward word Carlton was saying. Thank Jesus. Yes, agreed. (laughs) We don't really get much more of them. It just kind of ends there, but we're going to see more of them. Like it's a very back and forth sort of episode, which I love.
0: We are at the Tricon, which Gus calls the con. And uh, uh, Gus finally. Yeah. (laughs) And Gus finally admits that he had tried to get tickets to the con. but They're sold out. They're expensive.
1: Yeah. And Sean's a hater. Gus is a nerd. Honestly, Sean, life is too short. Just let people love what they love. (laughs) They kind of cut to one of the, like,
0: Tricon directors who's talking about these issues that they're having with George Takei. Mm -hmm. And specifically, a blueberry issue.
1: Yes. Okay, so they have his sign up like he's going to be, like doing a, um, oh my gosh, I want to, I don't even know what to call Panel? It. Panel. I wanted to call it a forum. Oh my God. Okay, so <laughs> he's taking the sign down. He's like, we really, until we get this issue resolved, I really don't want to alienate the Star Trek fans. We got to be sure he's going to show up, right? We don't want people in line. So he's taking down the picture and he's getting people on the phone. He's like, get me the numbers of all the produce vendors in the, in this area because they need blueberries for George Decay
0: like stat. Sean and Gus pretend to be George Takei's assistant to sneak into the con. And at one point, Sean calls him George Takei. Yeah, yeah. Those closest to him know exactly how he likes it pronounced. (laughs) He starts talking about him in Star Trek language,
1: and he keeps talking about the wrong characters. Yeah, he keeps referencing Chekhov. (laughs) He does that more than once, I think, in this episode. But he's like, he's like, he's the reason, or he starts talking about issues they've had other places. He's like the blueberry issue because he overheard, obviously. He's like, just like San Antonio. It's like, this is the whole reason I have a stutter and a wooden pinky toe. (laughs) And so they kind of freak this guy out enough where they like, let him go.
0: (laughs) They're walking through the con, and a bunch of randos start saying hi to Gus.
1: (laughs) Some guy in a wolf costume with a lightsaber just said hi to you. It's like I didn't know that guy. He was just being nice. He said hi, Gus.
0: (laughs) 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 But that's a good Chewbacca reference. There we go. So now we've done Star Trek and Star Wars.
1: Yes. Oh, fun story. Were you around when I got proposed to in Wookiee in high school? Were you? I don't present for that
0: but I would like to take a trip down that memory lane. You know I do not have great memories of high school, so let's go That's
1: true. I mean, I figured you might have been present because it was Matt, and I feel like it was maybe during the whole (laughs) little shop. Of course it (laughs) was. Of course it was. (laughs) was. Down on one knee, just wookieing out. It was great. (laughs) All in good fun. I love that. But yes. Matt was such a
0: cool guy, and— He is actually, like, one of my brother's best friends
1: now. Oh, I love that for them. Isn't that nice? Yeah, keep him in the circle.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's a different circle, but it's still a circle, so I like it. Right, right, right. They walk up to the Red Phantom booth where Talia and Dent, who are uh, producers from-
1: Okay, these names are pop culture references. They are. Oh yeah. my! I was like, they're laying it on thick here. And pay attention they to are. Dent's face because you'll hear his name a lot more, but you'll never see this man again. My like, <laughs> God! At one
0: point, I, and I don't know if we ever hear Malone's mom's name, mm.
1: but her name is Lois. Oh, I love that. Yeah, of course it is. But of course it we is. are getting yeah, we're getting a lot of information in this scene. So. At the Red Phantom booth, Talia's kind of laying on some charm, smarm, whatever. They're like, yeah, make sure you guys come to the trailer screening. It's going to be the biggest movie of the summer. a man of few words. Very much so. <laughs> but Sean is being really disrespectful and Gus finally lays down the law. He's also talking about like how that movie's going to bomb. And Sean's like, you haven't even seen the trailer yet. Like this is the premiere of the trailer. And he's like. Fortress of Attitude. It's this blog. The blogger is called The Malcontent. And he's like doing a takedown saying he got some exclusive footage and it's gonna be trash and nobody should waste their time. And I mean, we see this all the time too. It's like all these things leak and people have hot takes and it's just like, bruh.
0: Oh, Gus sees Hilts Cooler. Oh, God. (laughs) This man's name. He was the animator of. The Green Spirit. Yeah. Which was. a comic book. Yeah. It it was a comic book that was turned into a movie. By the same studio. By Paris Stone Pictures. And Gus loves The Green Spirit, but that movie was awful. It almost ruined the character. I'm not sure who references it, but I I think it must have been Sean. He was like, oh. You dragged me to that. (laughs) Yeah. Is that the one with the hero with the big nipples? (laughs) Damn those nipples. And the nipples just come back, which, again, pop culture reference to Batman and Robin, which is probably my favorite Batman movie. I know, hot take.
1: It's easily the worst Batman movie ever. And yet, I love it. As a child, I cannot tell you how bad I wanted to be Poison Ivy. Yes! Like, bitch had game!
0: (laughs) I would 100% be lying if I said that I did not have a DVD of Batman and Robin in the room next to the room I'm sitting in right now
1: I'm so proud of you for that brave brave statement
0: yes I'm putting it out there hot take I love that movie
1: you know what there is room for camp in comic book adaptations it doesn't all have to be dark and gritty and that's artsy and that's cool and that's a statement as well but damn can we just have some fun
0: yes thank you Like, (laughs) At this point, are they trying to figure out how to get Malcontent's attention?
1: No, I don't think they figured that out yet. They are there to find Rob and Don. So Sean clocks a stage with a microphone and he's like, let's make a spectacle. This is my favorite, you know, Sean tendency. He, uh... (laughs) Gets on up and introduces himself as a psychic, and he works with the SBPD at times, and he's like, I'm here. Let's do a thing. And, and everyone's is on board. this my sidekick, Magic, Magic Head. Magic Head. So this is truly Gus being introduced as someone else. I love it. We're going to get a lot more of these, but like they get better and better, and Magic Head is like a great start.
0: It loops back so well at the very end of the episode, the whole Magic Head thing. So I'm very excited. Oh, Yeah. So- some rando in the audience wants Sean to read him. Wants oh, Sean to... he
1: reads him to filth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he basically just starts listing off a lot of nerd things. Like, if he would have read me when I was in high school, everything that he said would have been like more or less accurate.
1: But I mean, he's proving point. He's like, I'm going to be vague and yeah. stereotypical and play it loose. And everyone's going to lap it up. Because, like, you know, if you're in the right mood, you're gonna. <laughs>
0: after he does the reading he starts having a psychic freak out and he starts screaming about an r and a d
1: names an r name and, and a d name and he's he just like he's spouting nonsense and Rolf and ronald and mrs rice rob is it rob and then and then alternatively he's like dan dave doodle d- d- don it's don a rob that- and a
0: don <laughs> the two kids scream that's us and they run up on the stage so happy sean asks them why they are staying in the hotel at the convention center when they're both locals which you know sean pretends to divine they said that their friend sprang for a hotel room for them sean kind of just says oh room 129 and they say no 428 oh yes So he touches Gus's head, the magic head,
1: and starts
0: (laughs) divining things like, you told your parents you were at computer camp. And then Rob and Don just run.
1: They're not going after them because they've still got their hotel key. Then they get confronted as they're leaving by George Decay himself. (laughs) Why are you telling people you're my assistant? Because we are. You hired us personally. Sean's
0: gaslighting techniques there are phenomenal. Like, not that I would encourage that, but oh my gosh.
1: I mean, if you're going to trick somebody, I don't mind you tricking famous people who may not actually know who their assistants are all all the time.
0: (laughs) Sean starts talking about a whale movie, and that's when Gus said, Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, to try to correct (laughs) him every time he gets something wrong. So there's another very specific Star Trek reference. Eventually, George Takei just gives in. And it's like, okay, well, if you're going to be my assistants, I want you to do it right.
1: Yeah, they even reference someone named Robin that they keep throwing under the bus for San Antonio. Oh, yeah.
0: That's because I fired her. Um, (laughs) They go to room 428 in the hotel. And And it is is a mess. Absolutely trashed,
1: yeah. So they start making all kinds of references about trashing hotel rooms, including Johnny Depp. This comes from Gus, and Sean is like, seriously? Johnny Depp? Did, did that joke? Yeah. Did that joke take a time machine from 1992? <laughs> and then he's like, what about that weirdo dating Kate Moss? And Gus is like, nobody knows who that is. He's like, all right. Oh, Stephen Dorff. Always safe. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. They're looking around, they're trying
0: to figure things out, and Sean spots the flyer for malcontent the blogger. Gus was so confused why they would have these flyers from Malcontent in their room and that's when Sean spots it. The name Malone within Malcontent.
1: Yeah, so now they've kind of got the beat, but he also sees a little scrap of paper that says one down, two to go. And at first you're like, oh no, his two friends are still out there. Are they in danger? It's a really weirdly written note. The O's are all squiggly and that comes back. The scene ends with Sean going, oh,
0: Keith Moon. And they both just kind of shake
1: their head. So Keith Moon, the drummer of The Who, who famously played some French horn gliss on a track of theirs. What? Right? That's awesome. I don't know if he could actually play play, but I always liked that little piece of info.
0: So in that one scene, I think we hit four pop culture references. At least. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And back at the SBPD, Sean and Gus are walking through talking about how they kind of need to talk to the execs and they're kind of sus. The malcontent... Was they think being paid off by the studio to talk up the Red Phantom movie? And then he started to trash it. So maybe they have motive to go after him now. And that's what they're suspecting. Yeah, I just wrote, he badmouthed Red Phantom and then Nerd Jules. So we find out.
0: <laughs> so yeah, we're with Juliet and they point out that she should be looking for room 428. It has a big oak door, you can't miss it. I sense some seriously dark Juju Magumbo went down in there.
1: What is that from? Because he says it more than once in this episode.
0: Yeah, he says it twice. I have no idea what it's from.
1: I'm going to look that up. We are still in the scene and Jewel starts getting in with Gus talking about comics and how much she loves them. She's been a collector. And Sean finally just stops and tries to get them
0: back on track. Missing kid, dead bodies, like we need to get back on track and- Gus said, since when have you become the one who's trying to keep us on track? And Sean said, since you turned into Urkel from Family Matters <laughs> and you became uh, uh, Jan Brady from the Brady Bunch. There's not an exact
1: connection there. Yeah, he has no good reference to pick from. There it is. There's no good reference there.
0: So we have Family Matters and Brady Bunch both get hit really fast. And that scene just ends and flips to Lasseter and Chief Vic driving.
1: Any luck figuring out what Juju Magumbo is? It's literally just something that Sean said one time, because that's all the internet seems to be able to reference. That's fair. Okay. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Lassiter is trying to give Chief Vic some, like, helpful advice, and is suggesting that she change around how many people are on this shift and how many people on that shift.
1: And she's just, like, getting tenser and tenser, and finally is just like, My water just broke!
0: And all Latsonner cares about is his briefcase.
1: His leather briefcase that he didn't scotch (laughs) guard. And she's like, she will end him. Like boys stop talking, but he, <laughs> he puts the little like magnetic light on top of his car and he turns on the siren because they're heading straight to the hospital. And she's like, I don't think that's necessary. And I was like, is that legal to like use that for personal reasons and not like official reasons, but whatever. She's, she's having I mean, a baby. feel like if he was the one who showed
0: up to a person who was having a baby, not an EMT and an EMT wasn't available he would have the right to turn on his sirens to escort them there. So I don't know that that's any different.
1: <laughs> that's my thought. I knew you would have thoughts. Yeah. So. We're back at Tricon. Tricon. And Sean has a date with Talia. And then they're waylaid by George Decay again. <laughs> <laughs> Sean calls him G.T. He gives him lots of cute little nicknames, we'll keep hearing. And he's like, the blueberries were not from North Carolina, which we have bomb-ass blueberries in North Carolina, let me just say that. I believe that. But they gave him Michigan blueberries, and (gasps) people think he's crazy, but he can taste the difference. And I believe it. I do. (laughs) Also,
0: he has a green room at the end of the hall. He needs it in the middle of the hall. It's messing
1: with his (gasps) G. Gus. Are you messing with his cheat? Stop touching it and whatnot. (laughs) So he throws Gus under the bus a little bit. And Gus is very affronted because he actually knows who George Decay is and cares.
0: (laughs) So finally, Sean said, you and I need to create a third imaginary assistant. I think her name should be Beatrice. 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 And (laughs) we will blame her for everything.
1: Gus is done with him. Goodbye. But then we see Sean and Talia together. And, okay, can we just... We're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. Talia has really terrible jeans. She has a collared button-up shirt tucked into these awful low-rise jeans. And it's an affront to everything (laughs) in aesthetics. Like, it's terrible. But we are going to... (laughs) I'm so happy that you went that
0: direction because... What I noticed was not a single person was in the water on the beach. (laughs) And do you know why that was? Because they were in Canada, (laughs) Kaylee. There's all these people like walking along the beach and doing all kinds of things and people carrying surfboards and like looking like they're going to go into the water, but not a single person in that entire shot is ever in the water.
1: I love that we both touched on different things here she's talking up the movie trailer premiere and she's saying dent has organized pyrotechnics and i'm like no one with the name dent anywhere in their name needs to be near fire because harvey dent was two-face and that is the reference they're making and talia is talia al Ghul. i don't know who talia al Ghul is they're batman references and i'm just like these little (laughs) ham-fisted
0: They're kind of just talking, and Sean kind of confronts Talia about Malcontent Malone. Malone, thank you. Man, I keep (laughs) doing that. And Talia just shuts him down really quickly. Finally, refers to some sort of consultation fee that was paid to Malone, but that was kind of it. But Sean really thinks that there was something else going on, specifically maybe Dent had done something. You know what? Why don't I take you to talk to the boss? Like, it's that easy. And Sean's taken aback. They're back at TriCon. And they walk into Dent's office, and again, it's trashed.
1: Trashed. And there's another note. What did this note say? I didn't write it down. Two down, one to go. And again with the Juju Magumbo.
0: When Sean saw it, he said, Okay, good news, your boss is innocent. Bad news, he has just become a face on a milk carton.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. So there's a second adult person missing. And I'm like, "Uh, can we care about it now? They are outside, and they're buying churros. And I I want a churro. I don't want to
0: call churros a bit, but churros
1: come back. Yeah, churros come up a lot because you know what? They're a delicious snack. And if nothing else, we care about delicious snacks.
0: They are fans of delicious flavor. Oh, as are we. (laughs) When they're walking, they're trying to figure out what's going on. They're kind of talking through it, and this is...
1: okay okay so i think i know what you're talking about and i don't really see it (laughs) really yeah the straw bag right
0: it's the bag yeah i saw that the first time i watched through and i was like is that are those pineapples i thought they were flowers I kept looking at them. I was like, are those pineapples? Maybe not. Okay. And so I watched them the second time through and I paused and I zoomed and I was like, those are 100% pineapples. I'll
1: take it. I'll take it because I did not do that. And I was like watching her so intently a couple of times and I was like, I just don't know. So I was not convinced, but I'll let you convince me because I really want there to be a pineapple and I did not find one elsewhere. I'll be honest.
0: The only other place I kind of found one was... In, like, one of the very last scenes. But it wasn't really a pineapple. It was just something that had the pattern of a pineapple. And it was kind of weird. But I'm saying it here. This is the pineapple. To the blueberry podcast at gmail.com. Send us an email. Fight with me. I'm up for that.
1: Cool, cool, cool. I was really hoping it was going to be, like, I went back to Malone's mom's place. No pineapples in her kitchen. I went back to the end scene. I was like, is it on Henry's shirt? Is it in Henry's kitchen? What? nothing i'll take this i'll take this also i want churros
0: yeah so bad
1: they realize that the
0: kidnapper obviously has one more person to kidnap snatch good word (laughs) and they're just kind of oh i actually put snatch in my notes so they must have said that they are kind of putting things together and they realize that this has something to do with the red phantom because talia went missing And she was the one who was producing the movie. And malcontent went missing and he had bashed it on his
1: blog. Did you mean Dent? Because Talia hasn't been missing yet. (laughs) Curses. Okay. But they realize that she's the most likely next victims anyway. So it's not really a spoiler. It's about to happen. Sean gets a call on his phone and George has some stuff to say. And I think he tells him he fired Beatrice. And then George wants to do karaoke, but ooh, awkward. He didn't actually invite Gus.
0: <laughs> Sean called George Decay G Dog.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the next nickname. G Dog. What's up, handsome? <laughs> Which I feel like George Decay would be super down with hearing. After Gus was so
0: frustrated, Sean said, call him back and tell him we need you for all the high harmonies.
1: <laughs> I mean, I remembered that happened, but I was gonna leave it out of my recap. But I'm glad we went back to it. <laughs> no, because Guest does
0: sing the high harmonies in an episode later on called It's So Hard to Say Goodbye. Black Capella? I don't I know if that's what the episode's called or not, but that's the song they sing. Hmm. That's a boys to men reference right there, but. That's a whole different episode.
1: Okay, so. Then we cut to chief at the hospital with Lassiter. Lassiter says her husband has been called. He's on his way, but he's been waylaid. And he's like, so I'm just going to go. And she's like, please stay a while. Like her husband's not there. You're going to leave this woman about to give birth all alone in a hospital? Her birthing classes, she always had a partner. Chief Vic decides not to get an epidural. Yeah, they offer it. And she's like, no, no, I'm doing this without. And Lassie is pro drugs. He's like, are you sure? Like, I Are mean- you insane? <laughs> That's the one. He's like, if I was about to do what you're about to do. And she's like, I've made my decision. Full dragon lady. Bless Chief Vic's heart. But
0: if for some reason I should ever have to push a human out of my body, I'm getting that epidural.
1: Girlfriend, fingers crossed, I'll burn that bridge when I come to it. Yeah,
0: no, no, Mm
1: -mm. I'm with you. We're hoping that never happens, but if it (laughs) does... Just personal choice. I mean, you know, no shade to anybody else's
0: choices. (laughs) You want to give birth to a kid in a bathtub? Like, I'm on board for that. You do what you need. I'm going to get an epidural because I'm a baby. And I'll be having (laughs) a baby, so I'm going to need those drugs. Sean starts wondering if the kidnapping was actually a stunt to promote the movie.
1: Yeah, like this is theatrics. Yeah, it's like the plot of one of the comic books. Did you notice? I noticed, and it took me out of this a couple of times, I had to keep pausing this episode on both watches. And I was like, what is that noise? Is my phone making noise? Am I hearing something from my husband's video games? And I think they just did a lot of adr background noise because they were in like such crowded quote-unquote areas it was very distracting sometimes did you notice that
0: i didn't but i could see how that would be a thing
1: like it was less bad i think when i was wearing earphones but like when i was just listening to it in the open i just kept going where is that noise who are those people talking where's that from
0: (laughs) Juliet arrives and she brings like the entire police department
1: oh no where's talia she's been snatched they realize that she's
0: the next one to be kidnapped, but Juliet said, oh, I just saw her outside. So they run outside and we see the phone said 9-1, like she was starting to call nine one one, and then dropped her phone.
1: But where's the note? Stuck to the bottom
0: of someone's shoe.
1: She looks like an alien from Star Trek. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> and it just says Judgment Day.
0: Which, okay, this one I'm not taking credit for. This was a pause writing down Judgment Day fun fact from amazon judgment day is a reference to terminator 2.
1: They even reference it in the
0: episode later. Basically the next thing that Gus said, they're kind of talking about it. He said in T2, which was Terminator 2: Judgment Day, it meant the end of all mankind.
1: Right, right, right. And then Sean hurries to the cheese puffs. <laughs> which I was like, this was the, this could have been pineapples, but whatever. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but Gus thinks there's bird flu on it.
1: which very timely, like it's like holding up scarily well. (laughs) I'm just like, yeah, dude, don't eat food out in the open in a crowded place. (laughs) But Gus is reading his comic and Sean's like, you really, you're going to read your comic right now. But Gus realizes going through this that the kidnappings and the plot of all of this is actually the plot of the comic book, the collectible that he has bought at the con. The plot, the kid. Gus thinks that
0: might be a deranged fan, but Sean wasn't so sure.
1: Sean ripped the whole title page off of this comic because he's seen something and we don't know what it is yet. Like, we'll get there with him. But then next, we're smash cut back to Chief. <laughs> She's like, not focusing, the lady says. You need to
0: motivate her.
1: <laughs> Which Carlton has
0: experience with from the Academy motivation was my thing at the academy and then just starts
1: yelling at her. Oh my gosh like a drill sergeant and she yells back yeah this isn't really working for me Carlton (laughs) and then he gets super weirdly supportive and he like wraps his arms around her and he's like massaging her temples she's like yeah no not that either like get the heck away from me give me your hand I'm gonna squeeze it to death. And Lester
0: goes I don't know what any woman wants.
1: (laughs) Bruh she just told you. <laughs> but don't worry, because then we get Lil' chiefick Oh my god, the baby. And oh, Lassie gets to cut the cord. And he has this sweet little moment with this little baby. And he's like, that's part of what the separation was about. She didn't think I wanted to have kids.
0: She was wrong. It's kind of weird to me that this person that's not related to Chief Vic or the baby got to cut the umbilical cord and is the first one to hold little Chief Vic.
1: Well, like, he was in the way, so. Yeah. Like, hand it to him, hand it to Chief. The nurse called him Dad. Yeah. I mean, he's present and he's the male person, so it's like, why else would he be in here? (laughs) Chief's just like, give me my baby. Give me it.
0: (laughs) We had to track on. John ends up going back to the lectern. Ooh, good word. I know. <laughs> just as the guy is announcing George Takei, he just kind of cuts him off and ends up at the lectern.
1: George Takei is such a diva. He's so mad. Oh yes. <laughs>
0: George Takei asks Gus what's going on, and Gus said, "Maybe he's setting up a karaoke machine for your duet." checkoff. And
1: sudo. Damn it. <laughs>
0: sean <laughs> starts his thing and then just kind of gets ready and goes i must call upon the power of magic head
1: and everyone just starts chanting gus is not about it he is not about it and george Takei is like who is that
0: <laughs> that's when gus is just like oh, and walks up on the stage
1: and very dramatically sean touches his head
0: he has a full psychic freak out where he starts feeling a vengeful spirit a, a green spirit
1: the green spirit did it the murderer is the creator of the green spirit Ooh, psych man is solving it so good he gives us a full breakdown of like the how and the why and how this guy was totally screwed by this movie studio and he's getting his revenge
0: we do at some point find out that the reason why malcontent had started to bash the red phantom was because when the green spirit man had kidnapped malcontent he went on to the blog and started bashing the movie
1: oh so wow
0: so that's why there was such a flip flip from the movie's good to the movie is bad Dang. I missed that part. Sean ends it with, now you're reduced to cursing nipples and signing autographs at conventions. Damn, nipples. (laughs) (laughs) He realizes that all of the people that had really just kind of messed up the Green Spirit movie would be in the same place at the same time. And that he could hide.
1: Oh yeah, super easy to just like blend in as something else in the con. He points out the
0: very distinct way that the green spirit guy makes his squiggly O's. O's. Yeah. Juliet ends up arresting the green spirit guy (laughs) and asks where the victims are. And he said, my plan is already in motion. There's nothing you can do to stop it. Like a good villain would.
1: Yeah, but Sean goes full psychic man again. He's not even on stage anymore. And he's like, remembering the pyrotechnics display. He's like, there's somewhere with fire. And he like, notices some like, stage crumbs on the guy's shirt and it's like the bunting with sequins that's around the stage and he's like under the stage. Juliet takes
0: some of the police officers and they head under the stage and they find all three of the victims tied up under the stage in time to save them before the pyrotechnics go off.
1: Oh and George Takei is still in the background like this is just like San Antonio (laughs) (laughs) which apparently something really went down in San Antonio or they just gaslit him real good.
0: Yeah. You know, where Robin messed everything up. (laughs) At the hospital, Sean is over exaggerating this recap to Lassiter of what happened.
1: But he's like, It's super cool what you did too, man. I mean, I see you as a hero. I don't care what anybody else says.
0: They are trying to figure out which one is little Chief Vic and I just kept calling it Chief Baby, but (laughs) Oh, I like Chief Baby. They're looking for Chief Baby, and one of them... Oh, I think it's Gus said, they all look alike to me, which is kind of funny. <laughs> Cause
1: they're because <laughs> they're all little white babies.
0: They're all little white babies, and Gus happens to be the only person of color in the group. <laughs> they ask Lassiter if he knew which one the baby was, and Lassiter said, is there one that poops a lot? But
1: Chief Vic pops up, and she's like, isn't it obvious? She looks just like me. Should you be walking? It's like, are you kidding? I'm going to be in office tomorrow.
0: this woman crazy Sean goes on this full recap about how she needs rest how she needs to relax (laughs) take a load off January come back in January (laughs) this was the fun fact that I was telling you about earlier though Mm. because this was the mid-season end and the next episode is actually airing in January of the following year. So she does come back in January.
1: Cute. Also. Isn't that nice? I feel like everybody but Dulé Hill was like, oh, we're getting canceled. They're not bringing us back. And he's like, this is a mid- mid-season break. This is just what happens on TV. Because he was on the <laughs> long-running show, The West Wing. <laughs> he was like, no, this is fine. <laughs> the last episode scene of the show we get more henry
0: yes it's at henry's house and gus and henry are just chilling at henry's table waiting for sean
1: and sean comes in and he's got a surprise for everyone he went back to the con and he had a very one-shot special piece of media put together and he proudly displays the psych man comic book cover poster size
0: the amazing psych man with his sidekick magic head
1: it's a mock-up gus and it's great. He's wearing these little Speedos on the outside of his very muscular onesie. And, <laughs> and then from behind his back, he produces another mock-up. And it's a full-page magic head. And it's like a little bit Mad Hatter, a little bit Gambit from the X-Men. There's like a disgruntled-looking bunny up near his hat. And <laughs> he's got a card with fire and he's got a wand. And he's like, if my head is magic, why do I need a wand? Like like it's like it's, symb- it's symbolic. You don't need to use it.
0: <laughs> I think it's dope.
1: Now who wants an autograph?
0: And there are so many eye rolls from Henry and Gus.
1: I love Henry's tropical shirt. I was really hoping that was
0: gonna be my pineapple. I'm with you. I again paused and rewinded, and I was like, nope, there's
1: no. It's like palm there. leaves and yeah, vague flowers. It was the right color. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was like goldish with like some blue and. Uh, then
0: we get our closing credits.
1: Yeah, that was a fun one. That one was a lot of fun. I mean, yes. look, nerds are so not maligned anymore that I feel like we can poke as much fun as possible. And it's still such a boys club that it's so fun to poke at. Like, Yes.
0: <laughs> Although I have to give the people who put together the idea of Tricon and what it was going to look like a lot of credit. Because they did really put a lot of females into the scenes, like, into the backgrounds. Because
1: they're actually there. Like, it's like, these people actually saw what cons look like. I have friends who cosplay horde.
0: Well, the only beef that I have with it, they really hyper-sexualized a lot of the females in their costumes. And some of that is realistic. Yes, I see that face. I agree. Some (laughs) of that is realistic. But, like, not everybody is dressed like that weird go-go alien dancer (laughs) at a con. Like there are going to be a lot of females in like t-shirts. There's going to be a lot of females in not hypersexualized costumes. Yeah, yeah. So we just need to be mindful of that. I get on this high horse because hashtag res life story coming back at you. <laughs> we had a superhero themed RA training one time, and so all of the RAs started out as sidekicks, and they earned energy or something, and they could become a superhero,
1: hmm.
0: and if they became a superhero, they got a big, like full eight and a half by eleven decoration for their door that had like their name, R. A., you know, whoever, R. A. Kaylee, and then the picture of the superhero that they became. Oh, it was radiation. They earned radiation. Oh, cute. But I had to go through and find all these female superheroes. But I needed not hypersexualized. Female superheroes, because they were supposed to be these examples and they were going to be hanging on the doors of my RAs. And it was so difficult. Because
1: so many of the artists for so long were dudes. And there's a very legendary story about the guy who was drawing Power Girl was drawing her boobs bigger and bigger and bigger because he was convinced nobody was paying attention to his copy. (laughs) And he was right. And her boobs became so outsized. And she's the one who's wearing like a cute little white onesie with a boob window because she didn't have a logo. The joke is she was leaving space for her future logo. She was a different Earth's Supergirl, essentially. Okay. So she was Power Girl in her world and there wasn't like a Superman like things so she wasn't super girl she was like her own yeah anyway
0: (laughs) that's just my own personal vendetta against it but i do think it's getting better i do think we have started to get into a place where yes there's still some of that and we still need to empower females when they want to be like that but not all females are like that not all people who identify as females want to be hypersexualized.
1: Right, and I think I mean we've got that with the men being illustrated also. Like it's very outsized body types. It's very like muscle porn. You know what I mean? Like it's just like mm-hmm. ridiculous. So I mean we're getting that with both of them, and it's like we don't have to see one hundred percent relatable bodies because these are supposed to be superhumans. But like, right? <laughs> come on. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That was my rant,
1: sorry. Yeah, no, we love to see it. I love to see it. We love pop culture. We love superheroes. And representation matters. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm with you. I love just the nerd aspect of this episode. Yeah.
0: Like the nerd pride in this episode. I love that every
1: time Sean is like, I'm too cool for this. Like, he comes around by the end. Like, and he really gets into it. And he stops being such a hater because... We got no space for that, man.
0: (laughs) It shows that he can grow as a character, and I appreciate
1: that. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Okay, what else do we need to talk about in this episode?
1: Honestly, I think this is our biggest guest star so far, and that becomes, oh, yeah. it becomes a running thing. I mean, when we get to season two, it's just going to explode, like the very first episode. You know, it just kind of goes crazy. So we're going to get a lot of fun ones. That's going to keep coming up. Lassie and Chief Vic having moments, and, you know, Lassie growing as a character. That's going to continue. I'm very excited.
0: Yes, I totally agree. I don't know. I I feel like I've been bashing Lassie a little bit but too
1: much right now. He's in his rough spot. He does need he yes. does need more of that growth and he gets it, but
0: Yeah, and I think Kaylee and I started this podcast pointing out how much we love Carlton Lassiter and it's because of how much he grows throughout the series.
1: I mean, we're still coming together as a team. They're still early days in their time consulting for the SBPD and proving themselves useful and people coming around to their usefulness. As it becomes more and more cohesive and these relationships grow, it just is more and more satisfying.
0: For sure. Well, this is Alexis, and this is my turf. And yes, I know the guy in the cod piece. His name is Dave, and he's a really nice guy. And
1: I'm Kaylee. Where is he, chocolate Columbo? <laughs> <laughs>
0: and this has been...
1: To, to the, the blueberry! blueberry! Psych out.